Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, I'll be talking about the upcoming holiday of Ostara and the Wheel of the Year. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Hannah M. And Hannah actually submitted two questions, so I'm going to go ahead and answer both of these today. So the first question Hannah asked is, what are the best crystals to meditate with to help meet your guides? So if you're wanting to connect with your guides, your ancestors, there are quite a few different crystals that you can work with. One of my favorites is called fishtail selenite or angel wing selenite. It's basically a twinned gypsum crystal and it forms the shape of kind of a fishtail or a feathered wing because of this crystal twinning. I find that that is a really excellent one to work with, but you can also work with crystals like blue kyanite, snowflake obsidian, rainbow sheen obsidian, azurite and lapis lazuli for this. And Hannah, I'd really encourage you, you know, just to really trust your intuition, allow your inner guidance to help direct you to the right crystal to work with for you. Now, Hannah's second question is, what crystals should I not use with one another? This is a question I get all the time, um, especially from beginners, but really even from people who've been working with crystals for a while. It seems like many people get a little bit hung up on this idea of crystal combinations and they're worried about putting the wrong things in combination together. Here's my stance on this, and not everyone would agree because I've definitely seen resources online and YouTube videos with people kind of telling some horror stories, saying things like never, ever, ever put this crystal with that crystal. Well, in my opinion, there are no two crystals that can't be used together. They're all here on this earth together. They're all here sharing the same space, the same environment. And in my opinion, there's really no two stones that you'd want to avoid putting together inherently, like based on their own inherent qualities. However, what I do really want to stress is that obviously there will be some crystal combinations that you'll want to avoid based on your intention for working with the stone. This is an example that I give a lot. Uh, Say you are working with one crystal for restful sleep to help you sleep better at night and another crystal for energizing. Well, you definitely wouldn't want to have both of those together with you when you are going to bed. So if you had a howlite for restful sleep and a carnelian for energizing you during the day, you wouldn't want to bring those both with you when you are trying to get to sleep at the end of the night. So from that regard, yes, there are crystals that you wouldn't want to put 
together, but it has more to do with your intention for working with them than it does with the specific types of crystals that you're working with. So Hannah, I hope that is helpful. Thank you so much for your very excellent questions. And again, if you have a question you'd like for me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com slash ask. Well, now it is time for us to dive into our main topic for today, Ostara and the Wheel of the Year. I'm really excited for this episode because this is the second in a series of eight episodes all about the wheel of the year that I'll be doing this year. So one way that I have really found that I like to connect with the seasons and the cycles of the earth is by tuning into the wheel of the year. And this is a relatively new practice for me, but I'm finding this journey into exploring this way of being in flow with the seasons to really be enjoyable and joyous. And it is helping me feel so connected to the earth and to spirit and to the natural cycles. So the wheel of the year really can help you tune into natural cycles and it helps you internalize the outward changes that are happening in nature as reflections of the growth and evolution that you experience in your own life. So by living in harmony with the seasons and the natural ebb and flow of nature, it helps you lead a more soulful life. It helps you cultivate a deeper understanding of yourself on a soul level. At least that's what it's really done for me. So what exactly is the wheel of the year? If you missed my episode on in bulk, you can definitely go back and listen to that one. That was the first in this series of eight episodes, but now we're talking about Ostara and its role in the wheel of the year. So the wheel of the year is separated into eight main holidays, and it's a representation of seasonal cycles that focuses on four solar holidays of the year. These are known as the quarter days. And these quarter days stem from the Anglo-Saxon cultural observations of the solstices and equinoxes, with the addition in the wheel of four Gaelic agrarian seasonal celebrations, representing the midpoints between the solar holidays, which are known as the lunar cross quarter days or sometimes called the fire festivals. Now, although some of the holidays observed in the wheel of the year are quite old, the wheel of the year as a whole is fairly modern. It was developed in the late 1950s. And though I don't personally follow the tradition of Wicca that created the contemporary wheel of the year, I do find it a really helpful way to think about the passage of time and what's happening in the world at each of these points throughout the year. And so many modern practitioners of earth-based spiritual traditions do follow this modern day or contemporary wheel of the year. Now, I personally tend to identify more with the Gaelic cross-quarter days as they stem from my ancestral heritage than I do with the Anglo-Saxon solstices and equinoxes, but I do still find value in these quarter days or the solstices and equinoxes because they more closely align with the seasons as I personally observe them where I live in Madison, Wisconsin. So, for example, though my ancestors in Ireland and Scotland 
would have likely celebrated Imbolc as the beginning of spring, as one of the cross-quarter days, I don't quite feel things awakening here until the time of Ostara, the spring equinox here in the United States. So for this reason, these Anglo-Saxon seasonal markers of the solstices and equinoxes are really important for helping me feel connected to what's happening in nature all year long, while the cross-quarter days hold a little bit more spiritual significance for me in other ways. So now let's take a look at Ostara, the reason we are here for this episode today. Ostara, or the spring equinox here in the northern hemisphere, is the first of the four quarter days, which marks the second of the spring holidays being the midpoint between Imbolc and upcoming Beltane. Ostara is traditionally celebrated on the day of the vernal equinox, which is determined by when the sun is at its zenith, or the point where it's directly over the Earth's equator. And this date ranges each year. So whereas the cross-quarter days on the wheel of the year have a fixed date, the quarter days of solstices and equinoxes actually range depending on the sun's position. So this date for Ostara can range from March 19th through March 22nd each year, depending on the sun's position. Modern Ostara celebrations stem from this contemporary idea of the wheel of the year, where Ostara is associated with the spring equinox and is celebrated as a time of new beginnings and of the reemergence of life after the depth of winter. So I always, of course, incorporate crystals into anything that I do. So some of my favorite Ostara crystals are amethyst, aquamarine, green aventurine, bloodstone, citrine, heliodore, eclipse jasper, yellow jasper, lapidolite, white moonstone, morganite, pink opal, golden quartz, rose quartz, and rhodonite. And you can actually see me use these on my Ostara altar over on the blog. So if you visit loveandlightschool.com slash blog around the time this episode comes out, you'll see it's the very first post on that page. If you are tuning in a little bit late, you can just pop the word Ostara into the search and pull up the blog. And there you'll find a time-lapse video of me creating my Ostara altar for this season. And I just did this over the weekend. It was an absolutely beautiful experience, something that I really enjoyed, and I'm so happy I get to share it with you. So Ostara signifies the time for abundance, right? I mean, as the ground warms and nature reawakens and reemerges and all the plants start to grow, it can't help but feel lush and abundant. It's also a time for renewal. Again, that ending of winter and the reemergence of spring. Ostara is also connected with fertility. So we start to see spring blossoms rabbits and hares, depending on where you live in the world. All of these symbols around us that are associated with fertility. It's also connected with growth for obvious reasons, with balance because it is at the time of the equinox when day and night are equal. Ostara is also connected with 
joy. It's hard not to feel a little bit joyous about the return of spring. It's also a time for new beginnings and change. So again, we're seeing the end of one cycle, the end of winter, and the beginning of a fresh new cycle. Ostara is a time for taking action. So as things are growing, as there's this abundance of energy, it's a great time to start new things and new projects. It's also associated with blessings and light. So again, this connection with abundant blessings and with the return of the light through spring. It's about celebrating the return of all things green, about celebrating the return of the warmth to the land and the coming of spring itself. And finally, it's connected with rebirth. So why should we celebrate Ostara? Why is this relevant in our lives? Well, Ostara welcomes in the spring and the return of longer days and the renewal of the land. At this time, plants and animals are beginning to wake up from their winter slumber, and nature seems to really come alive as the earth and the land begins to warm. So as the land starts to thaw from its winter freeze, seeds can be sown, new crops can be planted, birds and bees return to the sky, and the livestock that were being born at the time of Imbolc are now being reared by their mothers. And although we may feel somewhat disconnected from this more agrarian approach to a connection with nature, it was so important for ancient people and even people just a few hundred years ago, even just a hundred years ago, because for so long, humankind has depended upon this return of spring for our own survival. So it really is a beautiful time to celebrate. Now, Ostara is celebrated at the vernal equinox when light and darkness are equal, which means that from this day forward, the days will continue to lengthen until the time of the summer solstice. So for this reason, Ostara is a celebration of the sun, of the dawn, and of the return of radiant light. So how exactly can you celebrate Ostara? Well, feasts are a very common way to celebrate any major holiday. You can also follow some of the traditions of dyeing or painting eggs and then using them for an egg hunt or an egg rolling race. You can use hard boiled eggs for this, or you can also use wooden eggs. You might want to create a bouquet of spring flowers and place it on your altar or in your home. Now, I suggest, of course, gathering them only from places where you have permission to take flowers and take only what you need and leave much, much more than you take. Now, if you don't live in a place where you can gather flowers yourself, maybe treat yourself to some flowers from your local florist or even a grocery store or bodega. Another great way to celebrate Ostara is to bake some fresh bread or the traditional hot cross buns. You might even want to prepare a little salad with some early spring greens, perhaps that you've grown yourself or carefully foraged. Again, if that's not possible, treating yourself to some really fresh, healthy looking spring greens from your market or grocery store. One of my favorite ways to celebrate Ostara, which I will be doing on the date of Ostara this year, is to go on a walk or hike in nature and take some photos that really capture the return of spring, that capture the feeling and the moment 
on that day. You might even want to print these out and put them on your altar or even create some Ostara-themed grimoire pages or popping a few notes in your journal. Ostara is a great time as well to be really intentional with your shadow work because it occurs at this time of balanced light and darkness. You can also create a nature altar for spring. You can add items that are dedicated to nature, or you could collect some natural items to add to your altar, again, only with permission and being very respectful. Ostara is also an amazing time to plan your garden or start your vegetable seeds. In all honesty, I've been doing this since shortly after Imbolc. Um, around the middle of February, I started my earliest cold hardy greens like kale, and about every two weeks since then, I've been sowing some more seeds. So by this point, I have kale and broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage all started, and just this past weekend, I started my beets and onions, but I will be starting quite a few herb seeds on the day of Ostara, adding that little extra special energy to those herbs that I'm growing for magical uses, like lavender and lemon balm. Now, if you did listen to the Imbolc episode, you know the Imbolc is traditionally associated with purification and so is a good time for spring cleaning, but you can definitely extend that season of spring cleaning well into the time of Ostara, and even add an extra layer of some home blessing. So finding a method of cleansing or blessing your home that is connected with your cultural heritage, with your ancestral heritage, and carrying that out in your space. Of course, I think it's important to mention here that especially when it comes to cleansing and blessing of the home, like so many other things, it's really important not to appropriate from other cultures, but rather to do a bit of research into the cleansing and blessing methods that would be connected with your own cultural or ancestral heritage. Now, one final way to celebrate Ostara is one I think many of you will enjoy. It's to enjoy the delicious treat of some fresh honey or honeycomb. As I'll talk about in just a little bit, Bees and honeycomb are symbols of Ostara, and so enjoying some honey or honeycomb if you are not vegan may be a nice way to celebrate. Now, I can't share an episode about Ostara without talking about the goddess Eostra. So Eostra is a Germanic goddess, also known as Eostre, Easter, or Ostara, for whom Ostara is named. Now remember, in the modern or contemporary Wheel of the Year, it was just created in the 1950s, and it was kind of an amalgamation of several different belief systems. And so the celebration of Ostara was named for goddess Eostra. Now the only recorded account of this goddess comes from the Venerable Bede's The Reckoning of Time. Now, in this work, Bede claimed that Anglo-Saxon pagans held feast in Eostra's honor during Ostermanoth, which is the month or equivalent of the month of April. Though the authenticity of Bede's account is pretty hotly contested, some historical linguists have connected the goddess Eostra to the Proto-Indo-European goddess of the dawn, Hausos. 
historical connections between the goddess Eostra and Germanic Easter customs and connections with hares and eggs are also debated among scholars, though they're still widely celebrated by many modern pagans. So is Ostara definitely linked to the goddess Eostra? And were these Ostara or Easter practices of working with eggs and hares rooted in a true authentic historical connection? Well, we may not ever know. But if you do want to incorporate some gods, goddesses, or deities into your Ostara practice, then of course the goddess Eostra or Ostara would be appropriate to include, as would Bloodwood or Flowerface, the Welsh goddess, the goddess Artha, who's British, Morgan Clyton of Avalon, Eos, the Greek goddess of the dawn that Eostra may actually stem from or be attributed to, the Ushas, which are Vedic goddesses of the dawn that Eostra may also stem from, according to some scholars, Aurora, the Roman goddess of the dawn that may also be connected to goddess Eostra, as well as Frigg and Freya, Libera, Persephone or Demeter, Thor, Ursi, the mother of the earth, Rita, Mother Mary, who's celebrated at this time of year in connection with Lady Day, also known as the Feast of the Annunciation, Jesus, who is connected with Easter, Mary Magdalene, also connected with Easter, Ostara is sometimes also called Maiden Day when revering the maiden form of the triple goddess, The goddess Sybil and her consort Attis were also celebrated at this time of year in connection with the celebration of Hilaria. The Desir were also celebrated at this time, along with the Valkyries, both in connection with the Disabloat, which some people attribute to this spring holiday and others attribute to the fall. Some common Ostara symbols include hares and rabbits, eggs, baskets, chicks, butterflies, lots of different flowers like tulips, daffodils, pansies, violets, and lilacs, strawberry plants, honey and honeycomb as well as bees, lambs and other baby animals are also common symbols of Ostara, as well as robins and other spring birds, grass, seeds, and rain are also Ostara symbols, as is asparagus, and radiant light, so beams of sun and light are great symbols of Ostara. Some common Ostara herbs include alder, apple blossom, English broom, catnip, cleavers, cornflower, dill, hawthorn, Irish moss, lavender, lemongrass, meadowsweet, spearmint, and sweet woodruff. Some great colors to use on your Ostara altar, either with an altar cloth or with some candles, are pink, yellow, lavender, and green. Finally, I just want to say that although the historical origins of Ostara are loose at best, it's still a great way for us modern folks to connect with the return of spring. So the spring equinox or vernal equinox determines the celebration date for Ostara. And remember, that's determined by when the sun is at its zenith or the point where it's directly over the Earth's equator. And this occurs sometime between March 19th and 22nd each year. 
Eostra's Day is another name for Ostara, and this date also has loose connections to Maiden Day, which I mentioned earlier, which is observed at the spring equinox, to the Rites of Spring, also observed on the spring equinox, to Easter, which is observed on the first Sunday after the first full moon following the spring equinox. It's also connected to Lady Day, which is also called the Feast of the Annunciation, which is held on March 25th each year, to Hilaria, which was a multi-day celebration that spanned March 15th through 28th, with March 25th likely being the most significant day. And finally, Alban Eler, meaning the light of the earth observed at the spring equinox. So if you enjoyed this episode and you want to see how I bring all these elements together in creating my Ostara altar, be sure to head over to loveandlightschool.com slash blog so you can see the video that I've created for you. I also have some suggested reading there if you'd like to learn more about Ostara It's history and lore, rituals, recipes, and so much more. And a note for those of you who live in the Southern Hemisphere, you'll be celebrating the festival of Maybon today instead of Ostara to keep with the seasonal cycles. In the Southern Hemisphere, Ostara is usually celebrated during the time of the Northern Hemisphere's autumnal equinox. So you're just about six months opposite. Well, I hope you enjoyed that look at Ostara and the Wheel of the Year. Again, this is a pretty new practice for me, but something that I'm really enjoying and just wanted to share with you. Just, you know, one of the ways that I feel I learn best is when I get to communicate and share a little bit about what I'm doing in my journey. That's very much how I take my approach to crystals and crystal healing. And so this is kind of a very meaningful practice that I've started to incorporate and I thought you might enjoy learning about as well. The Crystal Healing Certification Program is coming soon. Want to know more? For info, free training, and to get on the list, go to crystalhealerschool.com. Now it's time for our Trending This Week segment. As you know, each week I bring you a quick discussion on something that's happening in the world of crystal healing and spirituality right now, or something that I'm just really loving that I want to share. And this week, as I was putting together my Ostara altar, there were so many amazing things that I got to include there. And so I just wanted to give a little shout to some of the amazing artists and businesses that I had the pleasure of purchasing things from over the past many years, Um, some new things, some older things that I was incorporating that I got to include on my Ostara altar. So first there's my crystal shop, Mimosa Books and Gifts. You can find us on Instagram at Mimosa Spirit, which is where I got a majority of my beautiful crystals for my Ostara altar. There's also Energy Muse by Heather Askinosi and Timmy Jandro. You can find them on Instagram at Energy Muse and the large rose quartz plate that I used as a base for all of my crystals was from Energy Muse, but I believe you can also find those at Zend Out from time to time um, from Cassie Yule. That's at Zend, Z-E-N-N-E-D, out on Instagram. And in fact, um, 
Cassie's business is also where I got my beautiful dried spring bouquet, courtesy of Lit Rituals. You can find them at Lit Rituals on Instagram. So it was kind of a collaborative effort between Lit Rituals and Zendao, and I am just in love with the colors and everything about it. Um, I'm personally not going to burn mine. I'm just using mine as kind of a way to pull in that floral element to my altar without having to use fresh flowers each year. So I will probably wrap this piece up and save it to put on my altar next year as well. I also have an absolutely beautiful, magical, enchanting piece of artwork of a small rabbit sitting in a little meadow of Lily of the Valley. And it's by the amazing artist Lily Sika Jones of Rivulet Paper. So you can find Lily's artwork on Instagram at Rivulet Paper. And it is one of my favorite pieces on the altar right now. When I was looking for a representation of the goddess Bloodwood, the Welsh goddess, I was having trouble finding um, something that really spoke to me, something that I really liked. So this is just a tip for your own altar. I actually looked through some of my oracle card decks and tarot card decks to see if I could find any cards that featured the goddess that I wanted to incorporate. And in my Miss of Avalon deck, I was able to find one that I really loved. So that's a joint creation by Rose and Sarah, the creator of the Mists of Avalon Oracle, and Nadia Turner, the amazing illustrator. I also have a handmade statue that I adore, and I custom commissioned a set of beautiful goddess statues for the Wheel of the Year by the amazing artist Sonia Bartolucci from Le Artefato Esoterico, and you can find Sonia's work on Instagram as well. And I'm going to spell this one for you because it's a bit long and I just love, love, love Sonia's work. So on Instagram, you can find Sonia at L-A-R-T-E-F-A-T-T-O-E-S-O-T-E-R-I-C-O. Le Artefato Esoterico. I also included a really special spring equinox candle from at magic fairy candles on Instagram. I love the smell of this candle. It has some beautiful crystals incorporated in it and I'm just really enjoying it. And then there are just a few other bits and bobs that in all honesty, I can't remember where I've gotten them over the years, but you can see all of those fun things in the video of my altar creation over at love and light school dot com slash blog. So that's it. Just some shout outs and thanks to all of the amazing businesses and artists who helped contribute something very special to my altar creation this spring. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones to grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Maybe you want to deepen your personal spiritual practice by connecting more deeply to your stones. Or maybe you're already working with crystals, but you want to learn some more advanced energy healing techniques. Wherever you're at on your crystal journey, 
the Love & Light School's CCH program can help you become the confident and intuitive crystal healer you know you can be. Are you ready to listen to the nudges from the universe and take the next steps on your crystal journey? Our CCH program is here to support you every step of the way. Well, that is it for today. Hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. If you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, if you are an iTunes user, you can subscribe to the podcast through that link as well. But if you would like to use a different service, you can head over to loveandlightschool.com slash listen and see all the places where we stream this podcast. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool.com.